No other book has so profoundly impacted so many lives as the Bible. Welcome back to Simply the Bible, the Through the Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. As a theocracy, Israel was a unique nation, but it wouldn't be long until they would want to be like all other nations and have a king. Today, we consider the instructions Moses gave to their future king. We hope you'll join us as Pastor Daryl continues in Deuteronomy chapter 16 on Simply the Bible. Justice fundamental to any society and without a due process of law where the integrity of the judicial system is upheld the social framework will soon collapse therefore as moses prepared the children of israel to go into the promised land he gave laws to the judges officers priests and kings to help them judge justly we pick it up in deuteronomy chapter 16 verse 18 you shall appoint judges and officers in all your gates, which the Lord your God gives you according to your tribes, and they shall judge the people with just judgment. You shall not pervert justice. You shall not show partiality, nor take a bribe, for a bribe blinds the eyes of the wise and twists the words of the righteous. You shall follow what is altogether just, that you may live and inherit the land which the Lord your God is giving you. So Moses told them they needed to appoint judges and officers in all their gates. Now, the city gates were really the place where judgments would be decided. They didn't have courts like we do today. And they were to judge justly, meaning that they could not pervert justice, that is, to turn aside from the way of righteousness in their judgments. Some of the ways that they would do that would be by showing partiality. Literally, it means don't even consider the face. They were to just simply consider the behavior, the actions, and judge accordingly. They weren't to take a bribe because a bribe would cause them to turn a blind eye to the truth and would twist their words. And rather than speaking righteous judgments, they would speak unrighteous judgments. Moses told them that if they would do this, then they would live long in the land of their inheritance. Verse 21, you shall not plant for yourself any tree as a wooden image near the altar which you build for yourself to the Lord your God. You shall not set up a sacred pillar which the Lord your God hates. Now, it wasn't that God hated trees. He made trees. The problem was, was that it was in the tree groves that the pagans committed idolatry. And God didn't want them to have that temptation. So they weren't to have the groves of trees near the altar or any wooden image or any sacred pillar that would cause them to stumble into idolatry. Chapter 17. You shall not sacrifice to the Lord your God a bull or sheep which has any blemish or defect For that is an abomination to the Lord your God. The universal principle both then and now is that God deserves our best. It's amazing to me the blemish sacrifices that people will often give to the Lord. You know, when they can't use it themselves, they can't sell it, then they'll give it to the church. Well, God doesn't want your blemish sacrifices. He wants your best. He deserves the honor of having first claim on our money our time and our talents. Verse two, if there is found among you within any of your gates, 
which the Lord your God gives you, a man or a woman who has been wicked in the sight of the Lord your God and transgressing his covenant, who has gone and served other gods and worshiped them, either the sun or a moon or any of the hosts of heaven, which I have not commanded, and it is told you and you hear of it, then you shall inquire diligently. And if it indeed is true and certain that such an abomination has been committed in Israel. Okay, so God was putting them on the alert. They were to be sort of the neighborhood watch to see if anybody was committing idolatry and they were to be accountable to one another. And so if they saw that somebody had transgressed the covenant by serving other gods and worshiping them or worshiping the sun or the moon, then they were to make a diligent inquiry. They were to look into the matter carefully to make sure that this actually happened. And if it was true, if this abomination, this detestable thing had been committed in Israel, verse five, then you shall bring out to your gates that man or woman who has committed that wicked thing and shall stone to death that man or woman with stones. Whoever is deserving of death shall be put to death on the testimony of two or three witnesses. He shall not be put to death on the testimony of one witness. The hands of the witnesses shall be the first against him to put him to death. And afterward, the hands of all the people. So you shall put away the evil from among you. Now that seems harsh to us in this day and age. But God required capital punishment for cases of idolatry. That's how serious God felt the matter was. However, you couldn't put somebody to death just on one witness's testimony. There had to be the testimony of two or three witnesses at least. And then the witnesses would be the first to throw the stones. After that, the rest of the congregation would also throw stones until the accused was dead. The wisdom of this procedure was that if it was later determined that the witnesses had falsely accused the defendant, then they would be put to death for murder. Now, by executing this severe form of justice, it would be a strong deterrent to the abomination of idolatry and its corrupting effect on the community and nation. That's what God said. It's true that justice works to purge society of evil if that justice is rightly and swiftly executed. Verse 8, if a matter arises which is too hard for you to judge between degrees of guilt for bloodshed, between one judgment or another, or between one punishment or another, matters of controversy within your gates, then you shall arise and go up to the place which the Lord your God chooses. So God permitted there to be a provision for difficult cases to move from the lower court to a higher court, which would be ultimately in Jerusalem, where God established his name. Unlike our judicial system, however, it was the judge rather than the defendant who would bring the case to a higher court. Now, some of the cases that Moses specified that would be difficult were degrees of guilt for bloodshed, which would probably refer to cases where it was unclear if it was intentional or not. In other words, was it murder or manslaughter? Between one judgment or punishment or another, that would probably refer to cases where it was unclear exactly what the judgment or punishment should be. Uh, and then 
matters of controversy would probably refer to civil cases that would be brought that were not necessarily spelled out in the law. Verse 9, And you shall come to the priests, the Levites, and to the judge there in those days, and inquire of them, they shall pronounce upon you the sentence of judgment. So, the order would seem to be that you would first go to a judge who could refer it to a Levite, who could then refer it to the priest, and the priest would be sort of the supreme court. But the principle here was that they would pronounce the sentence of judgment, and that sentence would be binding. You shall do according to the sentence which they pronounce upon you in that place which the Lord chooses. And you shall be careful to do according to all that they order you, according to the sentence of the law in which they instruct you, according to the judgment which they tell you, you shall do. You shall not turn aside to the right hand or to the left from the sentence which they pronounce upon you. Now the man who acts presumptuously and will not heed the priest who stands to minister there before the Lord your God or the judge, that man shall die. You shall put away the evil from Israel and all the people shall hear and fear and no longer act presumptuously. So the judge, the Levite or the priest would render the decision. The decision was binding and the sentence would be carried out. And the defendants were required to do all that was ordered. If they acted presumptuously by disobeying the judgment, then they would be put to death. Again, according to the Lord, this would be a deterrent. The people would honor the authority ordained by God and no longer act presumptuously by doing whatever they felt was right rather than heeding those who were in authority. Verse 14. When you come to the land which the Lord your God has given you and possess it and dwell in it and say, I will set a king over me like all the nations that are around me. Now, God established Israel as a theocracy. He never intended that they should have an earthly king over them. Nevertheless, he foresaw the time when they would want to be like the other nations and have a visible king. So even in the law, God gave them instructions for the king that they would have in the future. Verse 15, you shall surely set a king over you whom the Lord your God chooses, one from among your brethren you shall set as king over you. You may not set a foreigner over you who is not your brother. So first off, the king would not be voted by popular vote, but would be chosen by God. And he would have to be an Israelite. No foreigner could be king. But he shall not multiply horses for himself, nor cause the people to return to Egypt to multiply horses. For the Lord has said to you, you shall not return that way again. Neither shall he multiply wives for himself, lest his heart turn away. Nor shall he greatly multiply silver and gold for himself. So three rules here for the king. First off, not to multiply horses. You see, Multiplying horses would feed the king's lust for power because the horse and chariot was considered to be the ultimate weapon. Psalm 20 verse 7 says, Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we will remember the name of the Lord our God. And God wanted the king to be dependent upon the Lord, not upon his horses and chariots. Now we know Solomon violated this. He had a huge number of horses Secondly, they were not to multiply wives. This would feed a king's lust for women, you see. 
by multiplying wives. And again, Solomon definitely violated this with some 1,000 wives and concubines. Um, And then third, they were not to multiply silver or gold. This would feed the king's lust for money. And again, Solomon violated this one as well. In order to do this, Solomon relied on heavy taxation of the people, which put a great burden on them and created a problem for his son, Rehoboam, later on. Also it shall be when he sits on the throne of his kingdom that he shall write for himself a copy of this law in a book from the one before the priests, the Levites, and it shall be with him, and he shall read it all the days of his life that he may learn to fear the Lord his God and be careful to observe all the words of this law and these statutes, that his heart may not be lifted up above his brethren, that he may not turn aside from the commandments to the right hand or to the left, and that he may prolong his days in his kingdom, he and his children, in the midst of Israel. So the first thing the king would have to do would be to take this book of Deuteronomy and handwrite it all out. That would get the word in his heart and in his head. Then he would have to read it daily so that he would fear God and carefully keep all the words of the law. And that's just a great practice for any of us to do. In all these things, we just see the value of justice. I think of what it says in Micah 6, 8. He has shown you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you but to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God? You've been listening to Simply the Bible, the Through the Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. For more information about our church, please visit our website at calvarytv.org. To listen to previous episodes, go to 941thevoice.com or check out our iTunes podcast. Tomorrow, we'll see where Moses reminds the people of the portions due to the priests and Levites. He also announces the future prophet whom the Lord will raise up, who is none other than Jesus Christ. We hope you'll join us as we continue through the book of Deuteronomy on Simply the Bible. Simply the Bible.